What's going on, friend? Thanks for tuning in to the Work Faith Podcast. At Work Faith, we provide faith-based training and coaching for anyone who desires long-term employment. For marketplace leaders looking to grow in thought leadership, this podcast is for you. Our goal of this podcast is to equip you with ideas, leadership skills, and values to help you find true fulfillment in the intersection of work and faith. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Anthony Flynn, and I'm your host. Let's jump right in. Well, welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Work Faith Podcast. And with me today, I have an absolutely amazing gentleman. I cannot wait to turn the microphone over to him, uh, Mr. Taylor Dukoff, uh, who is the Senior Vice President of Commercial and Industrial Lending at Cadence Bank, uh, headquartered here in Houston, Texas, uh, but with reach in, in many geographies beyond, uh, beyond the Houston market. And uh, Taylor, I also have the privilege of having him serve as one of our executive uh, board on our board of trustees for for work faith. And so uh, it's been an absolute honor uh, to have Taylor involved. Man, he hit the ground running. We we met, uh, you know, probably about a year or so ago now. But uh, man, Taylor has just hit the ground running and has come in and really helped create some substantial momentum for our organization. It's really just indicative uh, and even endemic uh, to who he is as an individual, to the life he lives. Uh, he's he's full steam ahead as a husband, as a father, as a businessman, uh, as a devoted Christ follower. I mean, everything about Taylor, man, I love and uh, call him a, a friend and brother. And so, Taylor, what an absolute honor to have you here today uh, joining us for this edition of the Work Faith Podcast. Yeah, thank you, Anthony. Appreciate the nice intro. And uh, back at you, you know, getting to know you for the last kind of year and a half, Um really enjoyed developing our friendship and you've helped bring out a lot of positive things in me. So appreciate that. Well, man, thank you again for your service. And I just want to dive right in because, uh, you know, you and I, we, we're like fireworks when we get together. So it's always a joy uh, to connect with you here. And and one of the things I know about you is you have a very unique perspective regarding uh, pain, crises, adversity, et cetera. And one of the things you've mentioned to me before is your perspective uh, around the concept of failure. So you have learned to see failure uh, as a springboard, not necessarily as an obstacle or a hurdle. And so I'd love for you to share a little bit more about your perspective around failure with our audience. Yeah, love to. And I'll try to not talk for too long because I can talk all about right. it all day. But yeah, so I've kind of got this this saying that I have, which is, you know, failure that follows effort is not failure. So that kind of comes from a couple of things. I, I just kind of came up with that, but it's really a product of kind of how I was brought up first from my family, right? You know, come from an incredibly strong background, mom and dad, extremely close. Uh, I've got one younger brother. He's my best friend. So we've got, you know, very, very tight family unit and a lot of really great values there. I grew up in a Christian home, you know, grew up going to church. And so a lot of those values is what drives it. But one thing I learned early on, and, and, you know, I learned this from acts, not necessarily my parents speaking to me about this, but is that, you know, if I was putting forth strong effort and I was going after a worthy cause or task or sport, whatever it may be, regardless of the outcome of a game or whatever it might be, they were pretty happy with me. Right. And they explained to me early on that if we're trying hard, you know, and we're, we're doing our best and we, we're putting it out there, then that's not really failure. So you may call it that you lost the game, but that is not failure. What the, the type of failure of inaction, that would be failure, right? If you don't get out of bed in the morning and you don't go yeah. try to you know, get after it, 
then that we're going to be disappointed with. But if you're trying hard, um, you know, that they're going to be happy with that. And that's biblical, you know, it was ingrained in me from my family. And then what really drove it on for me over the years was sports. Right. Mm -hmm. So that, that is my mindset. I look at, you know, if I, if there's a failure, it just means I haven't quite gotten there yet, but I'm still on the way to kind of getting that success. And, um, you know, I'm that way on small things and business. That's really good. I think it helps you stay positive. I'm that way in, you know, my, my personal life. And, you know, I think that I try to align myself with people in a long missions that I really, really believe passionately in and that I believe God is calling me to do. And when that's the case, I don't really feel like I can fail, period. Mm-hmm. And so that's a, a huge thing for me. Uh, it's been kind of a cornerstone of how I like to think. But, um, you know, it's definitely a learned process over a lot of years of kind of how I look at failure. And, uh, you know, I've got kind of a funny story I can tell at some point around me actually going to work at Cadence. Absolutely. Oh, tell it now, please. Tell, tell it now. I, yeah, I'd love for you to bring that out. Yeah. Again, you know, I am really competitive, right? So I, I do kind of track these quotes, fail, these failures, right? But um, one kind of interesting thing. So, you know, when I was in school, I'd moved back to Houston with uh, my wife, Maggie, and we had one daughter, Olivia, my oldest daughter. So I've got Olivia, Allie, and then now a son named William. But um, we had moved back to Houston. I was at Houston Baptist University, which is where I finished up and got my degree. And I played baseball for a few years, but I was kind of ending that. And I wanted to kind of set myself up to go to work. Right. And so I was studying finance. I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do, but I wanted to be in finance and I like sales and talking with people. So I, in, I interviewed for an internship at Cadence Bank. Mm-hmm. And I did not get it. And the reality was that I didn't have any experience other than kind of working some summer jobs, you know, construction type jobs. Right. I've been playing baseball, so I didn't get the internship, uh, didn't have the experience. And I was kind of late to the game. So, you know, failure, if you want to call it that. But where that directed me was I got a job, my first real kind of in an office paycheck job at a company called Seamless Solutions, which is a business that was founded by a good friend of mine named Chuck Hansen that my family grew up right around him, still around today. So I was a salesman for him and we sold printers and copiers is what they do. And they do that for big corporations like Memorial Hermann is a big client of theirs. And um, funny enough, when I was interviewing for the internship at Cadence, I remembered that they had just moved into a new office space. So Mm. I thought, hey, we should call on them. Right. So I I was able to set up a meeting and and come to Cadence and pitch to sell them printers and copiers, which I was excited (laughs) about. Um, And then we didn't get that either. So we didn't get that. You know, I, I missed the internship. I didn't get to sell them the printers and copiers, but I was, you know, still being around them. And I knew there was great people at Cadence, which is why I really, you know, wanted to interview there in the first place. So I kind of stuck to it, did that job. I got another internship at a, a small local bank and got some banking experience. So when I was going into my senior year, I came back to Cadence to interview again for an internship. And mm. the reality is that they, they said, you know, we don't need you for the internship, but we are bringing on our first class of analysts, you know, for full-time positions in June of 2013. Mm. And that we want you to join that, right? I, I actually wasn't going to be done with school yet. I had two classes that I was finishing when I started there, but that's kind of one of my stories I like to tell. And, you know, you flash forward now, I've been here for almost nine years and it's been an unbelievable, great people here great track record, so many good things that we're doing here and we'll continue to do. So like, this has been such a blessing and I'm one of the few people that's still at the same place they went to work right out of school. But the way I got here, right, you could point to some failures that maybe would have 
caused me to not want to keep moving forward with it, but I didn't. And I had a lot of support to do that. And, you know, here we are. So that's one of the stories I like to tell. No, I love it. And thank you for sharing it. And I, and now you've triggered, you know, some other, some other thoughts from me. So I love to hear your perspective. This is an opinion, right? It's, we're not saying it's a right or wrong. We have no empirical data to back it, but I'm just asking you your opinion on why do you think some people, when they hit a barrier or a hurdle, some people revert and run away from it, whereas others decide to run into it? And I know that's a loaded question, but do you have, does anything come to mind for you on why some people run away from adversity versus some people run toward it? Yeah, I think it's like anything. Some of it maybe is a little more natural. You know, some people may be a little more aggressive or, or stubborn, if you will, right, to kind of yeah. keep moving on stuff. But I really think that that perseverance is a, is a, a skill that's developed and taught. You know, I can only speak to me personally. I've been blessed to have that around my life from so many different ways. Um, my family being the first, but probably for me, mostly sports. That's where I get it from. Mm-hmm. You know, you're you're used to no matter what game you play, you lose a lot, even if you're good. And that yep. really kind of yep. drove that home for me. Um, and I think that, you know, a lot of it, though, it's a it's a conscious choice. Right. I think you're choosing to be positive and you're choosing yeah. to be grateful. And um, if you're if you look at things that way, kind of no matter what your background is, you you develop those skills to kind of persevere, because the reality is that no matter what you do, you're going to go through difficult times, right? It may be sure. in the context sure. of business or life, but you will go through them. And it's like any other skill, you got to do it to develop it. And so it's, it's that first time you kind of get knocked down and do you move forward or not? Um, so you got to, you know, there's a self aspect of that where you've got to teach yourself that and you've got to do it when it doesn't feel good. Sure. But I think sure. so much of that just comes from knowing how to frame it, right? And, and framing it from a positive way and knowing that that's not, and that's not the end all, right? If one failure or one issue at your job or, or with a relationship doesn't mean that it's done, right? There's room to continue to improve it. And that's the approach I take. And I, I find that highly successful. Yeah, you know, so when you and I first sat down for a meal, we realized very quickly we had that in common that we I mean, we hit it off instantly and we were sharing uh, the, the same sentiments around that. I, too, like you, feel that, you know, among many things, you know, I had a lot of adversities in my life being born to a teenage mom, you know, living in poverty, my dad, you know, not being in my life, et cetera. But to the point you made, Taylor, also the repetition of having a football coach repeatedly tell me what I was doing wrong and how to correct. I mean, you think about going through a baseball practice or a football practice, the entire framework of it is correction. I mean, you're being corrected. (laughs) Like you're there to be corrected, you know? And, and, and so my question for you becomes for the people out there, Taylor, who have not had that privilege of repetition of correction, repetition of correction, you know, how do you encourage them what, what advice would you give them, if any, to, 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 you know, how do they get, how do they catch up with a guy like you or a guy like me who in our younger years, we had repetition of somebody loving and caring in our lives, you know, who loved and cared for us enough to challenge us, right. To, to correct us. And I mean, repeatedly, <laughs> you know, <laughs> a lot. So what advice for those who are listening and they're going, well, shoot, I never played a sport or I never had that amount of repetition of correction, how do I unlearn uh, or how do I learn differently how to take on adversity? Yeah. And stay positive with it. Yeah. And stay positive. Yeah, exactly. You know, one of the things, and I don't remember when I was told this, but 
I know early on, uh, maybe it's my parents telling me, you know, when the coach is getting on you or correcting you, that's because they love you and they care about you. If someone doesn't see something in you, they're not going to correct you. Right. So I think the first thing would be to stay positive around that when you're being corrected, whether it's a coach, family, God is telling you, right. Whenever you're being corrected, that's you being, you know, being groomed, right. And growing. And that's, that's biblical as well. Right. And when you're going through trials, that's your character being built. So I think that, you know, even though it's hard, you know, if you're not used to that or didn't have that growing up, I think you have to understand that that's going to be required for you to grow and to really seek it out, right? You seek out mentors. And, um, you know, I think it can seem overwhelming to find a mentor, but they're out there, you know, and there's a lot of good people that want to help. I mean, you look at an organization like WorkFaith, right? What we're doing, where we are training and coaching individuals, right? Teaching them how to stay positive and kind of continue to push through that job search for us specifically. But, um, I would say you've got to seek it out and you can do it through mentors that will really help you. And the other part of it too, is if you don't have that background of being corrected, it can, I'm sure that you would approach that as defensive and it would be Mm -hmm. difficult Mm -hmm. to hear that criticism, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's where I think, you know, it's some of that's on the mentor, frankly, and, and lifting those people up, but it's reminding yourself that when someone's correcting you or taking the time to, to tell you something, they care about you. And I think it's really important. You've got to know that it comes from that place to be able to kind of accept that. You know, and, and it's interesting you bring that up. I got some years of experience on you. Uh, I'll say it like that instead of calling myself old, uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but uh, but one of the things I learned, first of all, I used to be that person. I had a earlier in my life, I had a difficult time accepting feedback because of the woundedness and the brokenness in my story, right? So what happened is that a lot of times feedback came to me in a destructive fashion versus a constructive fashion. And so I I think from my vantage point, there are people out there who part of their difficulty with with handling adversity and handling feedback and unlearning, you know, uh, the wall that they put up against that uh, is associated with negative experiences. So can you talk about maybe a time in your life where there was, uh, you know, feedback given to you, but maybe not in the healthiest fashion. And yet you still were able to take the meat and leave the bones, as we say, like you may not have considered it a healthy form of feedback, but you figured out a way to draw from that feedback and still keep moving forward, even though it came across maybe not necessarily in a preferred method. Any thoughts around that? Yeah. Um, to try to be a sponge, right. And, um, you know, not to be too corny, but a sponge doesn't just absorb, it also filters, right? So you can you can be intaking that feedback and hearing that, and you can be learning in two ways. You can be learning from what they're directly telling you, but you can also learn from what you don't want to be doing, right? If you mm-hmm. put yourself in that perspective, how you feel when you were given that type of construction, what should have been constructive criticism, but maybe it's just destructive, right? Yeah. You can feel that, you know what that feels like, and you know how you may want to approach that differently if you're in a position to be sharing feedback with somebody else. But, you know, there were so many times where where when I was hearing something from a coach or a teammate, I felt like I knew maybe what they were trying to do, but it just came across as destructive, which made me defensive. And then you turn it off. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, that you don't ever want to be in that position if you're actually blessed with the with the ability to kind of be in a leadership role and, and help someone there. Yeah, I mean, so speaking of that, right, what I just heard from you, or at least I'm 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 
grabbing something out of that is that on many occasions, you're going to interact with people who have different belief systems, different approaches to leadership, uh, different approaches and styles in terms of how they engage people. What do you believe are some of the uh, commonly accepted values, beliefs, behaviors that are out there in the world that could sometimes be counterproductive to the average person's growth and success? Yep. I mean, to me, the number one that's the most obvious, almost no matter what you do, is that success equals money and career Ah, advancement, ah, right? mm, I mean, mm. almost any, you know, area you see that, right? And it's the flashy stuff is what gets attention and it's Instagram and you only see the good stuff. And, you know, I'm big on that of how, you know, like for my family and I, how we're going to define success. And it's not going to be by how much money we make or what our title is, you know, and, um, you know, there's so much to unpack there, but to me, the best definition of success I've heard was from, uh, our, my pastor growing up, Craig Reynolds, he used to play for the Astros and he, he married my wife and I, he's a great family friend. I won't get this totally right, but basically in one of his sermons, he defines success as being right where God wants you to be. So to, to be right where God wants you to be, it doesn't mean that you're only chasing what Taylor wants and what Taylor likes to do. Right. There means there has to be a, a component of you listening to what God is kind of directing you to do. Right. And you deciding, you know, as a family, right. Or as a company, what your mission is. And so to me, what so many people get caught up in is that they get out of school, they go into a career. And the only way to kind of measure their success is how much money they're making and how they're advancing. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and the reality is that, you know, like someone like you who's got great perspective, right. There's so much more to it than that. And, and to me, you know, I look at, you know, deep connections with a lot of people, the community that you can serve and what you're doing there. And so to me, you've got to be well balanced in that. And it's important to want to succeed in all the areas of your life. But if you don't have balance in that between family, your, you know, spiritually business, et cetera, you know, that's very hard. And I think that too many people, and it's because our culture kind of pushes us this way, the only way that they can measure themselves as successful is if they're doing that in a career. To me, that's the biggest advice, if you Mm. will, that people get almost from feedback that I totally disagree with. And, you know, there's other things to talk about there, but no, that's good. That's good. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting you say that because I've, you know, there may be someone listening who's never heard my story, but you know, I, I walked away at 23 years old. I made a conscious decision to walk away from the path I was on in corporate America at that time to follow, to do what you said, to be where I thought God wanted me to be. Right. And and I got scrutinized like crazy, even by my own mom, my stepfather at that time, my biological father. We were talking at that time. He didn't understand so many people in, in close proximity to me. They didn't understand, Taylor. And yet I'm so grateful that I made that decision because literally I, I get to, I get to get up every single day and do this work with work faith, right? It's a privilege. And, and I will submit to you that, uh, and I say this respectfully, I will submit to you that there are people that are out there with way more money, uh, and way more fame who would, who would love to trade places with a guy like me, who's getting up every day, delivering impact, on behalf of the kingdom of God and delivering impact to our world. Right. And so, and so I learned that principle early on as you did. And, uh, and, and so you figured out a way to balance that principle by 
every day giving cadence bank your all and serving with full capacity as I know you to do in your role. But you've also found ways to plug in using work faith as an example, as one example of ways you figured out a way to plug into the community and to add value and to and to bring fulfillment out in addition to, you know, frankly, what you do on a daily basis to build longevity uh, and sustainability for your family uh, in terms of career, finances, et cetera. So, man, we really value that in you. And that's, again, when you and I sat down for the first time, we hit it off pretty quickly with that in mind. I would define you as pretty successful, right? Based on the definition I just gave, right? And I mean, what a what a blessing and a testament to your character that, you know, coming from the background that you had, right? That you have this early success, right? In corporate America, right? And, and you could have done that forever, um, but that you felt called to do something else. So that's where the, the component of kind of, you know, being humble enough and submitting enough to what God's calling you to do, right? Not listening to what the world wants, and, um, and, you know, you're highly successful, happy, you're making a huge impact for work faith and all the areas that we serve. So that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, man, uh, again, tremendously grateful for you. One, I have one last question for you, but I want to ask you, how do people, for those who want to follow you or for those who want to get in touch with you and, and just keep up with, with Taylor and, and what he's doing and how he's impacting God's kingdom, you know, what, if, how do they do that? Is there a way, are you on any of the social media channels? Obviously people can find you on LinkedIn. Yeah. Yeah. I would say LinkedIn's probably the best one. Okay. I've got, Perfect. you know, an Instagram, but it's mostly just pictures of my kids. Yeah, but LinkedIn so is great. Big communicator. So, I mean, if you message me on LinkedIn, I'll, I'll be responding, right? Whether it's yeah. a personal connection or whether it's business. Well, for all of our listeners out there, I encourage you again, Taylor's an absolutely amazing human being. We're blessed, you know, to have him serve on the board at Work Faith. And and uh man, you're you're just getting started on your journey for what God has you up to. And so I want to ask you one final question that if you could, you know, talk a little bit about the importance of your faith journey and how your faith journey has one gotten you where you are, but really how you lean into your faith, Taylor, to stabilize you and your family. And, and even stabilize your path forward. For somebody out there who, frankly, they're listening to this and they may, uh, you know, they may, may be having success, uh, definitively, not necessarily how you defined it, but success maybe in the context of the type of position they're in, the type of company they work for, the type, the amount of money they make. But th- they may be on the fence about, ah, you know, the whole idea of blending faith and business. I'm not sure about that. What it, can you talk a little bit about your person, how you blend faith uh, into your day to day decision making and how you govern yourself, even as a businessman? Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, I love quotes and I love Bible verses. Right. So from Colossians, work at it with all your heart for the yeah. Lord and not for men. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I think about a lot when it comes to business. So, you know, one that drives everything I do kind of back to the the whole failure thing, right? If I'm, if I'm thinking in the context of, you know, that I, I can't fail regardless. Right. But, um, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the lessons we learn in the Bible are just around treating people the right way. Right. And, I, and what I've found is that if you really care for people, right, then you have an audience with them and they, they want to be around you, which means they may want to do business with you. So it's kind of self-fulfilling. Right. But if you just treat people the right way, and you really work on developing relationships, look to help people. That's what I, I feel like a huge part of my job, even though it's not what it is, is just connecting people and trying to find a way to help them, connect them with other people that may help them both grow. That leads to more business than I would have ever thought. You know, when mm-hmm. I was getting out of school, 
I really thought that when I got into banking, that the best bankers were just the smartest people. They could run the numbers differently and they would get, they would be more successful, right? That's what I thought. And, you know, come to find out it has nothing to do with that, right? People want to be around people that they care about and like, and they also want to do business with those people. So from a business perspective, you know, doing the right things and not being short-sighted and really looking to build relationships with people that last is how you're going to succeed in business, right? That That's, that's a hundred percent it. And then, you know, the other parts of, you know, how the, the faith works into that, right, is that, you know, it, it helps you through tough times. It helps you handle times that are really good. It helps you stay humble, right? Because the reality is that we're we're serving God and, you know, the the good is, is from him, right? And the bad, he helps us get through it. And so that's kind of my approach. I always think about that and a few other verses. And um, sure. it's really been huge for me as, as I've gone through my career. It's helped me, you know, just actually grow my career. But then also it's really just kind of helped me manage through the ups and downs of everything and, and try to be a good person outside the office as well. You know, and it just hit me, Taylor, and this is I'll I'll take full responsibility for this. I didn't ask you to elaborate on, you know, when you think about your role at Cadence, what do you actually do? So, for example, for the people who are out there who may want to, you know, connect with you on LinkedIn, uh, you know, do you mind as we close? Do you mind just sharing a little bit about your role and what you do uh, at Cadence so that, you know, people get an understanding in the event that they're reaching out, they're re- reaching out purposefully? Yeah, Absolutely. So, you know, Cadence is a, a really strong regional bank, right? So we do everything that any any of the large banks do. What I do specifically is commercial and industrial lending. And so that's a fancy way of saying that I'm kind of a generalist. So really any type of business that isn't an energy business and oil and gas space or a real estate business, a real estate type transaction is what I look at. So mm. I bank a lot of different service companies, manufacturing businesses, they, they cover all industries, primarily in Texas, but kind of more broadly. But really what I do every day is, I mean, I, I view it is that I'm in customer service in a way, right? I mean, we all are. So my, my, my job title is that I go out and I find companies to borrow money from us and handle their bank accounts and all those needs with us. But what I'm really doing is providing good service to those people and being someone that they can call that's really what Cadence sells. We're a relationship focused bank. And, um, you know, when you need something, you call us and we help you figure it out. And we're a good partner to you in your business. So that that's what I do. Absolutely. Well, man, and I know you do a, a fantastic job of it because you, you, you know, if I, I, I won't tell people your age, but if I told them your age, they say, wow, you know, uh, you you have you know you you somewhat told a little bit when you mentioned you entered an analyst program in 2013, and so uh, so you you've had some tremendous success uh, at, at a very early age. But I don't want to undermine uh, your work ethic by saying that. I don't want people to think that you know T- Taylor man exhibits uh, some of the greatest work ethic I've ever seen. And again, man, it's a joy and a pleasure and an honor to know you, uh, to call you friend, to call you brother. And I look forward to uh, spending more time with you and us continuing to connect uh, for many years to come. So thank you for joining us uh, for the Work Faith Podcast. And uh, we appreciate you. And and, uh, we know that this is going to impact lots and lots of people, man. So have an amazing day. Thank you, Anthony. Appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening to the Work Faith Podcast. Make sure to tune in next time for more conversation around how to find fulfillment through the intersection of work and faith. Now, go make the day amazing.